0: My name is Milan Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers, and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless, and determined. We fight for love, profits, and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers, and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hi everybody, this is Warrior Family and I'm Similian Mori. You are here, my friends, because you believe that we can all create and live the life we're living. But in order to do this, we have to do something about it. And this show, um, the the goal with this show is to bring you and to introduce you to the guests, uh, to my friends uh, that can teach you mindset, beliefs, values and other success hacks that can help you to live the life worth living and my guest today is jason goldberg uh, busy people and friends call him jg yes he is turned entrepreneur international transformational speaker trainer coach author and host and what is interesting he blends personal growth with comedy in his speaking and training He's the number one international author of the Prison Break book, and he lost 130 pounds. This is amazing, I haven't eaten in three years. (laughs) Thank you very much. Welcome to my show. (laughs) Thank you, brother. First, tell me, please, what happened? that you had to last all this shit weight. Oh man. God. How did you where, get into this where, body?
1: Where do I start? Let's, uh, let's <laughs> talk about my, you talk about we're your friends, my friends are pizza and burgers and fries and fast food. No, I was, I was raised by a single mother and she worked very, very hard and I was an only child and so because she worked a lot of hours, we would just kind of do pizza and fast food and so I just had very bad eating habits mm-hmm. and I wasn't active, even as a kid I didn't play sports, I didn't get into anything that was like exercise related so, over time, I mean, I was big as a kid, I was, I was 250 pounds when I was 15 years old.
0: 250
1: pounds? Yeah, and when you're 15 years old, that's when kids are very loving and accepting and they would never make fun of you for how you look, of course, no, all the time, they made fun of me constantly. Yeah, so, yes, but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and so, mean? by the time I was in my late 20s, I was 332 pounds, it's like 150 kilos.
0: Wow. My yes. God. It's huge. So, okay, let's, let's maybe talk about it because uh, we have this bullying going on in schools today, even if they don't have these kilograms that you had. Yeah. You, know, it just, you know, you are not smart enough, you are not beautiful enough. Yeah. So how did, you, how did you deal with this teasing, bullying? You know, beating down from your from your friends or schoolmates. Yeah,
1: my friends, yeah, right, yeah, with yeah, friends like those, friends. right? Who these enemies? Yeah. It was it was actually really funny because the way I dealt with it back then uh, has a direct tie into my life now today. Mm-hmm. So back then, when you when you feel that way, or for me, when I felt that way, that I was so overweight what I equated that to was not enoughness, right? I didn't have the language for that. I didn't walk around okay, at yeah, 15 yeah, saying yeah. I'm not enough. You just feel like crap, right? And so I just felt like I didn't have any value for the world because people would make fun of me. So I said, I need to find a way to be valuable, right? Okay. To people in general, but also to girls because girls weren't looking at me either, right? Because I was the fat kid. Absolutely. So I need to figure out what is it can I do? I got creative. What is it that I can do to, to make myself valuable to people? And I figured out what it was. Number one was comedy, comedy making people yeah, laugh, yeah, right? You make yeah. people laugh, then they can't make fun of you because they're too busy laughing with you instead of <laughs> laughing at you, right? So that was the number one thing. It's like distracting. Exactly. Right? It's distracting, right? And then you're bringing joy to them and it's less likely they want to tear you down because they enjoy what they get from you. The second part though was empathy because what I was able to do to get the attention of girls back then was I could be the one they came and talked to about their problems, mm-hmm. right? The other guys couldn't do that. For me, I could do that. So I developed those two things. So, developing comedy and empathy were my, my, my security blankets, right? they were my crutch when I was younger, but now in my business, comedy and empathy, it's the exact it's like way I serve is, the yeah. world. So, I'm so grateful I had those experiences okay. of being picked on because it forced me to develop something that would provide value to the world. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. What were some uh, limiting beliefs that you developed from the childhood?
1: Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll never be loved. You'll never be enough. Um, you'll never be fully accepted. Um, you know, you'll, you'll always be fat. You'll always be unattractive. I mean, and, and, and if you notice in those things, it's not just that they're limiting beliefs, but it's that they're permanent yeah. and pervasive limiting beliefs. They don't just affect my weight, but me being overweight made me think I wouldn't be loved or I wouldn't get, make enough money. Like It spreads. These, one little belief in your head spreads And it's pervasive throughout your entire life. And I definitely felt that.
0: And how did you overcome?
1: You know, a lot of this is, and and I'm sure you'll appreciate this, was being coached. Right? Mm -hmm. Really getting an amazing coach. Diving into personal growth, which if you read Prison Break, the first chapter of the book is kind of the story of where this kind of all turned over for me. And starting getting into personal growth. But really when I started getting coached and having it become very clear to me that I truly, it sounds cliche and it sounds like trite because everybody says it, but there's a reason things are cliche, it's because a yeah, lot of times yeah. they're true, is that I really do control my reality. Mm-hmm. I control my experience of the world. I don't need to control my thoughts, but I can control how I respond to my thoughts mm-hmm. and the response to those thoughts picture paints my entire picture of the world. Mm-hmm. And that was a really change it for me, it was figuring out like, wait a second, I don't have to be a prisoner of circumstance, mm-hmm. I don't have to be at the whim of the economy or the government or the song on the radio that reminds me of my ex-girlfriend, I don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. stuff. I can be a purposeful creator in my life, I can be a self-leader and that changed everything.
0: Mm-hmm. So what, what happened with your dad, you said that you were raised from, uh, with a with mother. Yeah. From mother. You know, I like him. to say,
1: I like to say that my dad was a professional magician. He disappeared when my mom was six months pregnant. No. He just disappeared. Yeah. So I've never seen him, I never met him, he was never here. And again, and even that, like all of these things, again, I know it sounds cliche. Do that you don't know him? I don't know him. I've never seen him, I've never met I know his name. I've never seen him, I've never met him. And and all of these things, it's like everything that we think is a disadvantage in our lives is our differentiator right? Your disadvantage is your differentiator. So people would say to me, oh, that's so sad you don't have a father. And to me, I say, wow, what an opportunity to develop the feminine energy side Mm -hmm. so that I could really be with people, that I could hold space, that I could be empathetic. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, and also people say to me, how is it, do you miss not having a dad? And that's like going to a kid in the jungle and saying, do you miss having internet?
0: True, what, life, I don't know I don't know what that is. Yeah. My
1: life is fine. I don't know what I'm missing. So so I really believe that anything that we've gone through in our lives that we think is a disadvantage mm-hmm. if we're creative enough is our differentiator.
0: Mm-hmm. You never had this urge to meet him.
1: I you know it's funny I point. At one point, I did want to look for him, but it was really because I wanted the 18 years of back child support. I was like, dude, you owe us so much money. I'd like to get that. I don't care about you. You go off on your own. Just write us a check. But no, I, I looked for him a little bit, but I, I never found him. But, I- but luckily, I've had really good male influences in my life. My uncle, okay. my mother's brother is her twin brother, amazing influence, mm-hmm. and my grandfather. Those two men were just su- such so solid men, men for me. I had men, had men in my, my life, life. Yeah. yes, yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, right. Uh,
0: you, you you mentioned the book Prison Break. So how do we get ourselves into the prison, and we build a prison around our potential and
1: everything? Well, and you said it perfectly, right? How do we get ourselves into prison, yes. right? <laughs> because that's 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 a major misconception, right? Yeah, I talk yeah. about in the book these things I call SFMs. SFMs are simple, fundamental misunderstandings. People think, oh, I have problems. I need to overcome my limiting beliefs and my stories. No, no, no. Simple fundamental misunderstanding, right? So that's one, a big one, simple, simple fundamental misunderstanding is that people put us in a prison or circumstances put us in a prison. No, we build the prison. We stand in the middle of an empty plot of land and we build the bricks all around us. And it's, it's something that we are taught from a very early age, right? We are taught from a very early age that outside influences, outside circumstances dictate our happiness or our sadness. So if we truly believe that outside circumstances dictate our happiness or our sadness, then we take on the full-time job mm-hmm. of trying to mold, modify and manipulate everything around us. Because I need that thing to be my preference in order for me to be happy. How can I possibly live a life worth living? How can I possibly live a life on purpose? How can I possibly live and serve others if I'm constantly trying to change everything that's around me? It's an inside job. It's always an inside job.
0: So what was the first prison that you built around yourself? Was it a job or was it a job? Or- because I think you used to work in a uh, traditional corporate world. I
1: was in technology for yeah, 15 yeah, years. Yeah. And so I think there was a big part of that because I did so well in my corporate career. I got into IT, I got into technology very early. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my first, my first job in IT when I was 13. Mm-hmm. I was hired by a company to come in and help because I just was really good with computers. And it, it went on and on and on. And by my mid-20s, I was the director of engineering and operations for a technology firm in the States. Mm-hmm. And making well over six figures in my 20s, doing all this stuff. But I had gotten to a point where I was connecting my self-worth with my net worth, mm. right? So without that title, I would be back to the fat kid in, in high school. I would have no purpose. I would have no, no way to show that I was valuable. So that was a big thing for me was I had always felt this urge to go out and do something bigger, to contribute something more. And for whatever reason, I was trapped. I tracked myself by saying, no, 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 this is safe. Let me stay with my six-figure job. I, I know where my money's coming from every two weeks. I feel I have a high status and so, you know, I have this director level position, but, but it, I, was, I was stifling my self-expression. I wasn't living my full purpose.
0: So you were overweight while in the job?
1: I was. Yeah, I was overweight while on the job as well.
0: When did you make a decision to, to lose weight, like this 130? Yeah, Bounds.
1: it was uh, it was 2009. Yeah. yeah, it was 2009, and I tell this story in the book, but I'll give you kind of the, the short version. Okay. Is that one day I went? Funny enough, right before we started filming, we were talking about socks, right? So, so I was at work. Yes, yeah, so I love socks. I don't know if you could, there you socks. go. You got the the, the California sun, purple sunglasses, you know? So very serious stuff. We had a, This is a very serious interview. Uh, so, so I was on Amazon and I was trying to buy like fun socks, right? And it was like hundred dollars worth of socks. So it was a few pairs of socks. And my card, my credit card, got declined. And I know I have way more than $100 in the bank, right? So I'm like, well, maybe I typed the number in wrong. So I typed the number in again. It says declined again. And it says, call your bank. I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Back then, in my late 20s, I was a very angry man as well. So no matter what happened, if it didn't go exactly according to plan, I would rage. Like, I would chase people in traffic if they cut me off. I would punch holes in walls if I got mad, I would I threw a seven hundred cell phone against the wall one time and broke it because I had a difficult conversation with my boss. I was an angry dude, man, I was a super angry dude. so when this happened, I'm in my office, I'm in this big, beautiful office overlooking downtown Orlando, where Mickey Mouse is, you know, and uh, and I throw my chair back into the wall and I snatch my cell phone off the desk and I fling open my office door and I storm out of the office and I call my bank and I'm like mashing the zero button so I can get like a live person, and I finally get somebody and I say what the hell's going on, I'm trying to make a purchase, I know there's money in my account, why are you declining my card? And of course the guy's very nice, trying to calm me down, Mr. Goldberg, let's take a look at your account, and he punches a few buttons and he says, uh, it looks like there was some potentially fraudulent activity on the card, so we deactivated the card. Okay. So now, you, a normal person, would probably say thank you. Okay. Thank you for, yeah. no, 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 I got extra mad. What do you mean there was fraudulent, who stole my account, who stole my, I'm get mad, getting madder and madder and matter. So I said, I want to know, what are these fraudulent charges? What did people buy on my card that made you cut off all my money? What happened? So he punches the buttons again, and he says, "Uh, well, Mr. Goldberg, it looks like there were four transactions in one day at four different fast food restaurants. And we assumed somebody had stolen your card, and they were testing it by making small purchases before going to make a bigger purchase. And I went dead silent because it was me. I had eaten at four different fast food restaurants in one day, and it took a billion dollar bank to say, you're cut off fat ass, you don't get your own money anymore, you're done, you're done. Oh my! And that God. was the day I say the universe cut me off. The universe said, we've been trying to send you signals that you got to do something about this, we'll take away your money, now, now you'll listen to us. And that was the turning point where I said, I can't, and that was the moment where I couldn't blame anybody else. I was so good at blaming other people for what was going on in my life. Blame the customers, blame my boss, blame society. In this moment, I could not find anybody else to blame. And I had to take personal responsibility. And what did you tell to the bank guy? I said, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I got my, all my anger went away because I felt so embarrassed. I felt like now I can laugh about it, but in the moment I felt so much shame. And then what did you do? Then I started to, well, I was, I was very, sh- like. it wasn't like a, cool, let's change my life. I was, pretty, I was pretty shameful. I went home and talked to my wife and just saying like, and she knew I'd always struggled with weight and I, I would be so sad because of my weight. There would be days where I'd go to try to put clothes on and nothing fit because I was so big and I would just crumble on the floor and cry. Hmm. It was so hard to be in my body and that was the wake-up call I needed. So I said, I really want to figure out what I'm going to do here. And I know there's something up here that's not right, that I'm just, I'm so angry and sad all the time. So that's when I started diving into personal growth and just starting to try to read books. And because my, my wife at the time, she, she had been through a lot of trauma in her own life and she wasn't angry like me. And I was like, well, what does she know? I'm a pretty smart guy. What does she know that I don't know? And she had read a lot of personal growth books when she was younger. So I picked up Think and Grow Rich. That was the first personal that's growth right. book. Yeah, And I hated it. Do you know why I hated it? What? Because in the entire, the entire time during, during reading the book, he's saying, by now, you probably have seen the secret. But if, it, if your mind's not open yet to the power of the mind, no. you don't see the secret. Yes. It's frustrating. Yes. right? So when I read it the first time, I didn't see it. As I keep diving into more stuff, I start seeing it. I go back and read the book again, and I go, oh, this is so simple. So once you have that opening, once you're once you're awake, you can't go back to sleep. Once you see something, you can't unsee it. But you can't leave a place you've never been. So you have to wake up to where you are before you can leave that place.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, this is powerful. So when uh, when did you quit
1: your job? So and why it wasn't that far <laughs> after. So so I decided. My entire life, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I was a kid, I'd always had little businesses. My, my mom would buy me packs of baseball cards. Right, mm-hmm. I would take the baseball cards, I would open them, and there used to be a magazine you could buy that would tell you how much each card was worth. Mm-hmm. I would go one by one and find the most valuable cards, then I would turn around and sell those single cards to kids. Right. And the parents loved it. They didn't have to keep buying packs and packs of cards. The kids got the card they wanted and I got a profit. I would walk around with a little briefcase that I got at a garage sale. I was 10 years old and I'm selling baseball cards, selling candy at school. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I'm in this last corporate job, director of engineering. I was there for about seven years and, uh, and I really decided I wanted to start a company. I was, in, I was doing my master's degree as well at that point. I was doing my MBA. And there were a couple guys that I met in my MBA program that wanted to start a company, it had nothing to do with personal growth, it was an executive transportation company, and they needed a CEO, they needed somebody with a great business and marketing mind. And they said, will you join our team? And I said, this is great, absolutely. So we worked on it for nine months where every day, you know, nights, weekends, on my lunch break, I was working on my startup. I was still working 60 hours a week in my, my job, but I would go on my lunch break, pitch investors, and then rush back to, to get back to work at my job. And so after about nine months of doing that, we raised money we, did, we needed to do to launch the company, and I finally left my, my job. And it was so great. When I went to go give my boss notice, I gave him two months' notice, very, very close with my boss, loved the company, great company. And when I said, boss, it's, it's, you know, it's time for me. I really want to go off on my own and start my own thing. And I thought he was going to be upset or mad that I was leaving because I was such, had such a role in the company. And he said, uh, what took you so long? Wow. He said, I, I always knew. He was this supportive. Is, yeah, he was so yeah. supportive. So I did that executive transportation company. That failed miserably. It was, we, we learned a lot, but we lost a lot, but it was fine. Then I started another company in partnership with NASA, with the space shuttle program, a commercialization company that's still up and running. I'm not part of day to day. And then about five years ago, I got into uh, coaching and speaking and training because of the transformation I had felt in my own life. I wanted to share that with others.
0: Okay. So let's talk about coaching yeah. and speaking. And you mentioned selling. Yes. Most people hate selling. You
1: hated selling too. I did hate selling at one point, but then I realized what I actually hated. What? Okay, I thought I hated selling, right? What I really hated was rushing relationships with people because oh, okay. traditional sales tells you get the elevator pitch, figure out the perfect thing to say, close the deal as soon as you meet them. And that didn't feel good to me because I was a relationship guy. I like to really get to know people, especially if I'm selling something that's a higher ticket or higher price thing. I want to make sure that like I'm comfortable with having you give me your money and me giving you a service. So once I got out of this scarcity mentality that I need to close everybody I meet. And instead I said, "You know what? If this is somebody I'd like to work with, I'm going to pretend that I'm going to see them every single day, five minutes a day for the next six weeks. And when I have that energy, that I don't need to rush this, that we can just talk, a deeper connection forms so much more quickly. And if there's a way that I can serve them, if I can really be curious, if I can focus on being uh, interested instead of interesting, right, instead of trying to sell them on me, I can really help sell them on themselves, then if there's a way I can serve them, we'll find a way to work together.
0: This is a a very important topic for coaches because I know many of them, and most of them, they are broke, honestly, you know? There is a statistic out there, the average income of uh, average coach is not more than, how many? 20,000
1: US, 80% of coaches will never make more than 20 to 25K, yeah.
0: How did you switch from corporate, safe, secure job, and to the full-time coaching business and speaking? It's so, not that easy to make a switch.
1: It's not that easy. And also, I'm the type that I will never tell somebody, uh, you should go be an entrepreneur because you're passionate. Mm-hmm. Passion is not a business plan. right? And passion, <laughs> passion is not a strategy. Yes. Right? It's beautiful. Yeah. Have passion. and Passion is required for the long term because it's going to be tough and you have to tap into your why and remember why you're doing what you're doing and have that level of mastery and integrity and all these things. But for me, before I left my corporate job and went into my first startup even, mm-hmm. I decided, what is going to be the way that I can set myself up for success? Because there's so much uncertainty around starting a business, why would I add the extra financial complexity of saying, I have zero income, and I'm going to go try and start a business at the same time? That, that would make no sense. That's like saying, um, I have pneumonia, and so I'm going to go also have heart surgery. Like, no, no, there, that's too much stress going on on your body at one time. So I was smart about it, and I said, okay, let me look at my finances. Let me cut down my expenses as much as I possibly can. Let me save as much money as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. I did that for about a year. I pretended I, I lived on half my salary mm-hmm. for an entire year, put the other half in the bank. And then what I did was I said, okay, this gives me a year of runway that I don't have to make any money and everything's covered. All my bills are covered. It gives us runway to, to raise money from investors, all this stuff. So what most people will do is they'll, maybe they'll figure out their burn rate, right? They'll figure out how much money they need each month to live. What they don't focus on is their fume date, okay? Now, your fume date is when you get to a point where you're kind of running on fumes, right? You're kind of running out of money. So a lot of people, if they have a year, then at the year mark, they'll say, okay, what do I do? No, 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 that's too late. <laughs> too late. The, the fume date is at nine months. So at the nine month mark, I said, okay, I have three months left. Is this company, is, this, is there a likelihood that this company is gonna get the funding it needs so that I can keep going? And when I step back and assess that, I said, I don't think so. And so I told my partners, guys, I'm out, you guys can run this all you want, I'll I'll give you everything, I'll support you as much as I can, but I'm gonna go back to corporate. And that was like a a blow to my ego, because nobody who's an entrepreneur who leaves their job and makes it public they left their job, wanna go back to corporate, but you know what, that's the ego. Mm -hmm. And the ego gets in the way of selling, the ego gets in the way of relationship building, the ego gets in the way of, of sustainability of your business, the longevity of your business, it gets in the way of your own personal growth, that's all ego, I had to let that crap go. And I said, listen, my ultimate goal is to be an entrepreneur full time. So if that means I need to go back into technology in my six-figure job for six months to pad my savings account and then go out and try again, what's wrong with that? Why not? So I called that. I said I got a BJ. A BJ is a bridge job. Bridge. Bridge to bridge uh-huh. me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a bridge, that, job. Like a bridge <laughs> job. A bridge job. Yeah. So I went back to yeah. IT for six months. Different company, but I went back to IT for six months. Terrible company it was the worst thing in the world. I literally was counting I had a paper where I was counting down the days until I could leave because I hated the job so much. But I changed my mindset around that and I said, "You know what? I don't need to love this job, but I do want to fall in like with it. I don't need to fall in love. I'm going to fall in like." And every time I walked in the door, I said, "This is one day closer to my dream of being an entrepreneur." And when I left that job 5 years ago, I never went back.
0: In 2013, that was starting point of your coaching business. Yes. And after first year, you had 12,000 000- dollars in your bank account? Kind income. of. Yeah. Kind of. Well,
1: yeah, kinda, of, yeah. So it was eleven thousand six hundred dollars, but yeah. five thousand of that was me transferring money from my personal account into my business account. So it was so it was really like sixty five hundred. <laughs> Dust in the eyes.
0: Yes. So what happened then? Did you also think about going back to the and, and get this bridge job I again. thought about
1: it. I thought about the bridge job. Luckily, again, I had the money in the account, so I had another year uh, to, to, to make that happen. So again, I wanted to be as, as smart as possible, as conservative as possible. But in the course of that year is when I really learned this lesson about the power of service. Mm-hmm. right? And, and I just talked about the ego. The opposite of ego for me is service. Mm-hmm. right? So when I root my selling in service, when I root my own growth in service, when I root my marketing in service, when I root everything in service, things just happen more quickly right? It's not service as a strategy. A lot of people will do service as a strategy. No, no. This is about really asking yourself every day, who can I serve today? Like who can I really powerfully serve as if this was my last day on the planet and all I wanted to do was meaningfully contribute to somebody in the world, what would I do? And that has become everything for me. Like I tell people my business plan is to leave everybody I meet with at least 5% more joy than I found them and my business strategy is to really really give a crap about the work that i do and the people that i do it with mm-hmm. and that served me really well over the last 5 years
0: so you coined this word selling by serving
1: selling by serving so
0: what what changed in at the end of this first year in 2013
1: well i think part you... of it is i think part of it is just anytime you start something new it takes time to ramp up Absolutely. and also when when you start as a coach or anything else you suck you're not good yeah, yeah. like you know quality comes from quantity there's no steps you can skip, and people come to me and they're like, you know, I, I had a guy come to me and he wanted to work with me, and he said, um, I, I said, what are you looking to create in six months? He's a, he was a 22 year old kid, he had just gotten out of college, never had any real work experience, and said, in the next six months, I'd like to have a six figure income, I'd like to be working with the top leaders in top companies, I'd like to be working three days a week, and I'd like to be traveling the world full time, in six months, and I sat there and I said, man, I'm I'm really sorry, and he said, why? Yeah. I said well, you must have some terminal illness. You must be dying in six months, and that's why we needed this to all happen so quickly. <laughs> and he starts laughing, right? And he realized, oh, yeah, why am I rushing this? Why, did, why does this have to happen in six months? So part of it is just like it takes time. It take, if it was that easy, everybody would do it, right? So part of it was just finding my bearings and getting better as a coach and coaching my butt off and just really serving people. But after that first year is when I really started to get, oh, if I start showing up as me, if I stop trying to build what I call an oh-so-do-I business, right? An oh-so-do-I business is uh, you meet somebody at a networking event and you say, you coach? Oh, so do I. You have a course? Oh, so do I. You have a book? Oh, so do I. And it just looks like a sea of the same business everywhere. What I finally got after that first year was I could switch from building an oh-so-do-I business to building what I call now a competition-proof business by really leaning into my own self-awareness, by seeing what it is that I activate within people. So once I figured out for me, and I help people do this all the time because I think it's so important for your brand and for what you do, once I realized that I bring people joy and that I can be playful and that I can bring people laughter, that was the thing I would lead with, and then I put my message on top of it instead of trying to lead with my message, which everybody's doing. Everybody has a message. Yeah, 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 you're just pitching, right? So if I can instead say, hey, here's me as a human, and then you say, that's a cool human. I like that human. I wonder what that human does for a living oh, he's a coach, Mm -hmm. I wonder what he coaches about. And now they're really interested in exploring, and now it's a pull through instead of me trying to push something onto you, if that makes sense.
0: Do you have any special channels where you get your clients or
1: referrals, how do you do it? Typically Facebook, Facebook has been everything. 95% of my business has come directly through Facebook and organically, not with paid ads right? I've done very, very little paid ads. I had a couple course launches that I did some paid ad stuff, but even that was to my warm audience that I already had. For me, it was really about how can I show up on Facebook and provide so much value consistently, right? How can I build a tribe by showing up authentically as me? And back to the sock thing, right? Like the sock thing is funny, right? We were joking before, oh, funny socks. But people are sending me socks in the mail. People tag me in posts about socks online. When you think about this, if there's Five coaches online who say, make six figures in six weeks, Uh, be your own boss, Uh, live your dream lifestyle, and then they see me and they're like, oh, that's the guy with the socks, that's the guy that likes the bacon, that's the guy that's the rapper, and he's a coach, which of those do you think is the most memorable, right?
0: Absolutely, the guy with socks.
1: Exactly. So I started realizing all the parts of myself I had been holding back because I said, that's not professional. Mm. Nobody's going to take me seriously if I talk about socks. It's, it's huge. So, you want to raise your hoff. I call it your hoff. Your hoff is your hangout factor, mm-hmm. right? Okay. If you can increase your hangout factor online, then people connect to you human to human first, mm-hmm. and then they connect to you as a coach or a speaker or an educator or whatever you do online.
0: We That's all think that we have to be perfect, you know, perfectly dressed, perfectly, you know, behaving. Perfect sales pitch.
1: Yeah, and nobody perfect. wants that.
0: Uh, sales funnel.
1: Yeah, yeah, the perfect everything. <laughs> and the thing is, is, that our clients and our prospects—they don't want that, right? And there's so many people in the personal growth world. And I am sure you've seen this because it's it's everywhere. Everybody wants to be so inspirational. They want to inspire people, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong. With it. And if you inspire people, that's great. The the trouble with inspiration is that inspiration is typically, there's a guy or a girl on top of the mountain, Mm -hmm. and if I can just climb the mountain like they did, then I can be as good as them one day. And that can be very daunting for people, and people say, that's too much. That person's special. I could never be like them. Mm -hmm. Instead of inspirational, what if we practice being aspirational, Mm -hmm. right? What if we help people to aspire to be normal, just like us, and do extraordinary things? Mm -hmm. So I want to focus on saying, yeah, guys, you know, this stuff's hard. I I still struggle with stuff. I wrote the book called Prison Break and I'm still a prisoner sometimes. I have a show called The Not-So-Serious Life and sometimes I'm freaking serious. And that's okay because it's the human experience. And they look at me and they go, well, if this guy is okay sharing his stuff and he still struggles, then maybe it's possible for me to have some success in the same way he's had success. So I want to go from inspirational to aspirational and really connect with people that way.
0: Okay. Talk a little bit about the prisoner and the self leader. Yeah. What are the differences? uh...
1: Yeah. So essentially, the prisoner is the person who everything that they feel is dictated by something outside of them, Mm -hmm. right? It's always the person at work that shut down their idea or the boss who just won't listen to them or the client who's too demanding or the stupid people that don't know how to drive that you're yelling and honking at or chasing Mm -hmm. like I used to do, which I don't do anymore. Thank goodness. Uh, You're you're just everything is relying upon outside people and outside Mm -hmm. circumstances. The self leader understands, and this is kind of my mantra for life now, creativity is greater than circumstance. Mm. There is no circumstance that calm, clear, conscious, courageous creativity Mm -hmm. cannot overcome. So a self leader says, given the conditions of the game, how do I wanna play? Mm -hmm. Given the conditions of the game, what would I like to create? Mm -hmm. Given the conditions of the game that I'm facing right now, what role can I play and having a higher likelihood of success in this moment. So it's much more personal responsibility. I can play a role in creating what I want instead of waiting for the world to give me what I want.
0: Mm. Great. Sometimes we push too much, huh? Yeah, we. That, that was you too.
1: St- and it still is sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I still push sometimes too. You know, and I tell people too, there's a, do you know Sadhguru? Have you heard of Sadhguru before? He's an Indian guru, he's online, he has really great stuff. And he, he talks, he has this one blog post called Loosen Your Grip. And when I read it, it hit me at such a deep level because I realized I had such a tight grip on so many things, so, so much control. I wanted to control everything. And when we can just like loosen our grip, we don't drop what we're doing. We don't want, you know, when I tell people to be not so serious, they think I mean just play around, drink alcohol all day, no. and throw water balloons. No, no, no. Not that. The opposite of serious is a great uh, distinction from Alan Watts. The opposite of serious, Alan Watts talks about, is sincere. Mm -hmm. I want to be sincere about my work, but I want to be relaxed. I want to chill out. I want to allow my innate creativity to flow. And when I'm too tight gripped, I stifle all that creativity and I can't see the opportunities all around me to create money, to create relationships, to create products, to create services. I can't see any of that when I'm too sped up in my mind. So when I take things less seriously and I calm down and I'm a little more playful, I see opportunity everywhere.
0: Goal setting, you know, we can hear so many things about goal setting. What worked for you in the goal setting space?
1: That's a really good question. I'm not huge on hardcore goal setting. Um, I like to uh, um, have an outcome in mind. Uh, I, I say have the end in mind, but not the end in stone, right? So I wanna have something I'm shooting for But I want to then figure out what my highest yielding activities are, right? Because I believe there are high yielding and low yielding activities. High yielding ones have a higher likelihood of getting you where you want. Low yielding ones are not bad necessarily, but they're not necessarily taking you where you want to go. So I want to have that outcome in mind, but then I want to be unattached. Mm -hmm. I want to hold that very lightly, very loosely. I would like to create this much money. Fantastic, perfect, I have no attachment to it. But what can I be doing on a day-by-day by day by day basis if I had reality show cameras following me all day and I told them, guys, listen, my only goal in life is to serve a million people and to make $10 million. If they were following me around every day, would they know that's what I was really focused on by the activities I was doing every day? Right. So for me, it's less about goal setting and more about being in integrity with showing up every day and doing the work that needs to be done that takes you in the general direction of your goals.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's. Being productive.
1: Productive. Real, real productive, right? Like in my book, I talk about there's productivity and there's ductivity. like F-A-U-X, like fake. Productivity, ductivity, right? So people that like want to be coaches, they go, oh, I'll blog all day, then I'm productive. Well, that's helpful, but if you want to make money now, you need to be serving people now. Go find people to serve. Go find somebody with a pulse and a problem and help them. That's the way you build your business. You don't just sit there and write blogs all day, in my, in my world. Can you
0: share some productivity hacks that you have, or time management hacks?
1: Yeah, so I really like um, the Pomodoro technique. What does the
0: most productive day look like?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Pomodoro technique, right? So I don't know if you, if you know about this or not, but so you work for 25 minutes, take a five-minute break. But here's the funny thing is that I scale that down quite a bit. If I'm ever feeling like... I, I need to get started on something but I just can't do it, I just can't, I feel resistance, I feel whatever, I say I'm going to do it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I tell myself, listen, at minute six you have to stop, you're not allowed to work more than five minutes. So I set the timer, I start working, I hit five minutes and I go, five more minutes. And I reset the timer and, I st- and then before you know it, it's been three hours. But getting started is the, is the big thing, right, just getting started. So that's kind of a, a, a very specific technique I use. But a bigger technique that I think is missing so much with, with entrepreneurs, and I talk about this a lot in, in, in one of my programs that I do, I do a program called the Business Unusual System because I think people are trying to do business as usual too much, doing it the way everybody else does it, and I want people to do business unusual instead, really bringing themselves into it, and one of the pillars of that is turning pro, right? Have you read the book by Stephen Pressfield? He, he has a book called Turning Pro and the, the War of Art, some really, really good stuff, but I think that, again, for coaches, they're so passionate and they want to help people and they want to just, you know, they love helping people, but they forget, and and I forgot for sure for the first year, I I didn't get this in my brain, is that you're building a company. Mm -hmm. It's no different than having a restaurant or or having, you know, a software as a service company or having some product-based company. You're building a business. So my number one productivity hack is that even, I work from home. I don't go into an office. My team's all remote. I work from home. But when I wake up in the morning and after I do my morning routine, I shower, I shave, I get dressed, I sit down at my desk and I clock in. Just like I would if I worked at Target or Starbucks or an office somewhere. Why should it be any different just because I'm an entrepreneur? So I say the biggest productivity hack is, remember, you're running a company. Don't lay in bed in your pajamas and try to work. Get up and be a professional. Get dressed for the job. Sit down at your desk. Clock in and get to work.
0: You mentioned morning rituals. Yes. What are they? What do you do? When, I sw- you wake- when do you wake up? Like
1: uh, typically, I wake up between 5:30 and 6. Right, so so early enough for me. Like some people wake up at 3 a.m. I'm not doing 3 a.m. No. <laughs> uh, but but I have I have kind of a standard thing I do. It involves um, gratitude, right? Just things that I'm grateful for, and it doesn't have to be big things, right? Sometimes my gratitude practice is just like I'm really grateful for the pillow that's behind my back right now that's supporting me, like just grateful for little things. So I do a gratitude part. I do a um, a, a self-forgiveness part. So anything that I've been hard on myself about, I forgive myself for being hard on myself. Um, I drink a, a large glass of water. Uh, I'll read for thirty minutes. I will do uh, journaling from the future. I call it my DeLorean exercise. Do you remember the Back to the Future mm-hmm. movies? They had the time machine, the DeLorean. I'll go out into the future 90 days, and I'll write in my journal as if everything's already happened. Like I'm so, I'm so happy that that launch went so well, and it's amazing how many you know, great testimonials I got from that program that just finished. And I create the future from the future, and it becomes my present moment. So I do that. Um, I meditate. Uh, I have some affirmation statements that I read to myself and then I work out.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what is the book that you are reading right now?
1: I switch back and forth. Right now I'm reading a book by uh, Ryan Holiday. Do you know Ryan the Holiday? The you uh, Yeah, so he's the Obstacle is the Way. But he wrote another book called Perennial Seller. Hmm. And Perennial Seller is all about creating things in the marketplace that are timeless. That never go out of style. It's not about building things for the trendy what's hip right now It's about building the things that stand the test of time and they're still around 50 60 a hundred years from now well, I have so, to buy that book. very very good book man.
0: You gave me so many resources right now I have to I have to go back and listen and <laughs> to make notes. You can't do any more
1: interviews You have to go now and do all this
0: stuff. <laughs> yeah, you have to listen to the interviews too, you know So what do you do every day to take care of yourself? You exercise how much?
1: Yeah, exercise is typically three to four days a week, uh, cardio and weight training, but I wanna switch that up. I actually have been thinking about uh, trying Pilates, because people have been telling me Pilates is like a whole different, do you, have you done Pilates at all? No, but I'm thinking about it. I've or heard, yoga man. or something like that. Something that's yoga, not just. Yoga for me It was
0: like a uh, women's stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I tried yoga one time, and it, it was a whole group of Did women. Did you like it? I, so I'm like, I'm gonna go in the very back of the room, right, so nobody sees me, I'm in the corner. I thought I was so smart. The teacher comes in and what I thought was the back of the room was the front of the room. Oh my God. <laughs> so now everybody's facing me and I'm like, I'm this idiot and she's like calling out these poses. I don't know the poses. I'm like huffing and puffing. She's calling out warrior pose. I'm waiting for her to call out like sweating Jew pose because I got sweaty Jew pose down. I got that down. But all these other things, I don't know. So that was not a great experience for me with yoga. Not, not good. Pilates. yeah. Uh, I'm going to try Pilates. Private. Not in a, not in a class. Private first. Private. Then I go to the class. How much
0: sleep do you get?
1: Typically seven hours.
0: Seven? Yeah. yeah for me, seven is also enough. Like you go to bed when?
1: 11? Yeah, usually 11 o'clock. 10.30, 11. I try to be in bed and electronics and everything off by 10 o'clock. And then a lot of times I go to bed by 10.30, 11.
0: How do you get your energy back? You know? What is the best way to
1: maximize your energy? For me, uh, well, one thing I do is I will take afternoon naps sometimes, especially if I have a a bunch of calls. I usually schedule my calls uh, earlier in the day because that's where my energy is highest and I want to be super present with my clients.
0: In the morning, man.
1: Morning, yeah. So typically I'll take my first call at like 9 a.m. And so nine a.m. until 1.30, because I also do intermittent fasting. So I do bulletproof coffee in the morning, and then I do intermittent fasting. So I don't usually eat until one. So you're on
0: ketogenic diet right yeah, now? Yeah,
1: roughly. Yeah, so yeah. I don't do the full keto, but I do. I do the IF the sixteen you to hours. Used to be vegetarian. I am still pretty much vegetarian. Okay. I'm, well, but I'm a baconitarian. Yeah, baconitarian. Yeah, so I do bacon, it's, but no other meat. Yeah, <laughs> you like <laughs> bacon. Or what? I, I do. You know the smell of bacon. Not even so much the taste. Have you? I mean, do you eat bacon? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. The smell. Just the. There's a little meme of a kid online who's eating bacon for the first time, and you see in his face, he just goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's like a two-year-old and like he's, he's ruined for life with bacon. So so I, do, so I do the intermittent fasting and I do the calls in the morning and then sometimes I'll take a nap like 2-2.30 in the afternoon, but it's like 25 minutes. Not like two-hour mm-hmm. nap, set the timer 25 minutes, mm-hmm. you maybe sleep 10-12 minutes of it and it, it really, it does, it gets me back and, and energized again, yeah.
0: So when did you start with the kind of ketogenic diet?
1: Funny, it was actually. And what is the
0: difference? What is the difference that you notice?
1: It's huge. So I actually started it after one of the AFESTs. AFEST mm-hmm. in Mexico in November 2016. Mm-hmm. They had Bulletproof there, and they had oh. they were giving away the coffee.
0: David was there.
1: Uh, I don't. Dave. Uh, Dave wasn't there, but he had some of his people David. there. Yeah, yeah. D- David was there. Uh, I think the AFEST before, okay. and then this time yeah. they just sent their team to like make he's the Bulletproof. Guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a He's a he's a real biohacker. He was also over 300 pounds. Yeah. He was yeah. also very big. a lot of weight. Yeah. Amazing. And he, he attributes a lot of that to the yeah, keto yeah, diet yeah, and to Bulletproof. Yeah. So I tried Bulletproof there. I really liked it. And I, I had lost all my weight, but I had gained back maybe like 15, 20 pounds over the course of a few years. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to try this out. So I started doing Bulletproof and intermittent fasting, dropped 25 pounds in probably two months and mm-hmm. just felt energized, felt sharper uh yeah i've loved it man it's been and i've so i've been doing it for a year and a half and i really yeah a year and a half and i really like it
0: some people they argue
1: people love to argue a lot of
0: hype now out there yeah for the ketogenic diet but yeah i don't look at the ketogenic diet as a diet that i will stay on for two months but it's like a lifestyle for me
1: yeah when well, they talk about this too, you know, I just watched a documentary about diets and they're saying, you know, which is best, South Beach or keto or all these different things. And I they did this everything. Yeah, yeah, and they did this whole study and you know what they came up with at the end? They said there's no right diet. The right diet is the one that you will stick with. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's the same in business. Yeah, yeah. There's no right way to build a business. There's the way that you will actually commit to being consistent with. Mm-hmm. And if you pick any of those diets and you're just consistent with them, you'll see mm-hmm. results. But most people they give up too early. So, whether it's your life, your relationships, your business, your health, mm-hmm. consistency and staying on one path is going to yield far more results than trying to find the perfect thing. Mm-hmm.
0: When you are the happiest in your
1: life? Oh, that's easy. Uh, when I'm serving, but even more specifically, when I'm on stage. I just, yeah. any kind yeah, of teaching, yeah. you know, I, I always call myself like, an edutainer. So, education, yeah, entertainment. Yeah, yeah. That, you, you're the same. You yeah, love being I like, like you, you light up it's on like stage. Me. I've seen you on stage, dude, like you just like, you have a big personality, but when you're on stage, it's like, I've seen you in rooms of thousands, yeah, yeah. and you fill up that room, man, so that I know you're lit up on stage too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man.
0: It's great. Uh, like, what, 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 what about the future, you know? The, where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Oh, five five years. Like, I, it's,
0: I know it's uh,
1: very far away, but anyway. Yeah. Like. I don't know what I'm having for lunch today. Uh, Five years, what I would really love to do, my, my uh, kind of bigger, long-term vision, is I really believe in the power of, of entertainment as a conduit to transformation, right? I, I really believe that entertainment, comedy, humor, levity, it makes it so much easier for people to experience transformation. Mm-hmm. What I would love to do is I would love to have a media distribution company at some point that creates this really aspirational but fun and edgy, like not like you know, sweet, you know, sweet inspirational stuff. But you know, maybe there's an F-bomb here or there. Maybe it's a little inappropriate and there's jokes and all that stuff. But it it still gives people permission and it gives them reminders of how they can live a more purposeful life. So I would love to create something where people just have a place to go and they say anytime I need a little pick-me-up, anytime I need something to really help me feel more in line and with my purpose, but also be entertained. They come to my network, and I'll be hosting shows, I'll be creating shows that I'm in, but also bringing other people in that share the same values to share their message and share their gifts with the world. So that's really my, my five-year goal, hopefully less than five years, but five-year goal. Okay. Uh, how many people do you have on the team now? I just have two people. Two people? Yeah, it's two people. One's local for me. She's okay. my assistant, and she does a lot of other things, and then one is remote in South Africa. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like working from home.
1: Yeah, exactly. They get to work from home. They get to have freedom. How,
0: how, how did you find this assistant in South Africa? You know, Here, yeah, we, we have this fixed mindset that we have to have somebody in the office for the full, full, full time.
1: And I had that view too. Like I had this, like, oh no, I don't know about remote because how do you do? I had the limiting belief, and I said, you know what? The only way I'm going to test this is to test it. Like that, you can't figure it out in your mind. And people have asked me a lot, like, how do you? Because my team is amazing. Like I, mm-hmm. every every day, I'm so grateful for them, and they know if you ask them. Multiple times a week, they'll get a random WhatsApp from me just saying, I'm so grateful for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. You didn't do anything special. I'm just super grateful to have you on the team. And people ask me, how do you find people that are so bought into your vision, that are so bought into your mission, that read the values of the company and say, yes, that's me. And for me, both of the people that work for me were fans of my work. Mm-hmm. They had already followed me. Okay. They had, so, okay. so they were already in so, such alignment. They knew my work. They knew what I was about, and it resonated with them. So the values alignment, the values match, mm-hmm. instant. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love them because they're, they're on the team and they really feel like my message is their message, which is what I want them to feel.
0: What, what is the biggest challenge that you are facing right now in the business?
1: The, the most interesting thing, the biggest challenge, which is really fun, I'm playing with this now, is that as an entrepreneur and especially as a coach, there's a certain level that you can get to strictly by hustle, right? Mm -hmm. strictly by hustle. But then there's a turning point in the business where you can't hustle your way to more growth. You can't hustle your way to more scale. Mm -hmm. Then it's about how do you leverage, how do you optimize, how do you figure out how you can best serve the people that you are best suited to serve Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't require more of your time and attention. And as an entrepreneur, and this is something I definitely am still challenged by, There is ego involved there saying, yeah, but but people can't do what I do the way I do it, or people buy into me, and so I need to make sure that I'm delivering everything. And the fact of the matter is, that's not true. You can still be, as the face, as the entrepreneur, you can still be the person who's delivering the highest value portions of your service, while having other people take over other service delivery options. This is not just like a virtual assistant who's doing social media posting. I mean the actual delivery of what it is you do. Other people, especially ones like I have on my team who are bought into the vision and the mission and have embodied that in their own lives, these are the perfect people to help you grow. So this is the turning point in my business where I've shifted and I've created new programs and new ways of operating Mm -hmm. that are going to allow me to do what I do best and really serve people deeply at a very deep level, ongoing, but also give other people on my team the opportunity to shine and to help me deepen that impact with people. And that will allow me to scale my reach and scale my income.
0: It's probably you have to build a team.
1: You have to build a team.
0: Uh, You mentioned when we were walking um, through the aisle that you are out of the... Typical product launch formula from Jeff Walker. <laughs> we love you, I'm Jeff. I'm sorry, but Jeff. No more PLS. I'm sorry, Jeff. Your product launch formula is not working for Jason.
1: <laughs> no, well, you know what? It's funny. It's so there, there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with anything with Jeff yeah, Walker. Yeah, PI, yeah, or absolutely. That's, it's yeah, all great yeah. because it's great because it's all value-based. So anything value-based is wonderful. The thing that I want to get out of is there's an immediate scarcity mentality around launches. I need to, again, like we talked about on in the beginning. On a certain date. Yeah, on a certain date. And again, it's. I hate it's, it too. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> and it's rushing relationships yes. again. It's here's the window. Yeah. You need yeah, to get yeah. in now. It's, it's urgency. Over now. It's only two hours. Yeah, it's One only minute. Tra- <laughs> and, th- and then there's the email. And after you know going <laughs> yes, Yeah, then there's. Now that it's, I've expired, but there's been so much interest, <laughs> I'm opening it back up, which means I didn't sell enough. So I'm opening and you're it lying. back up. Yeah, and you're lying. And, I, and I, integrity is so important to me. I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. I, can't do, I can't deal with this, this sleazy stuff. So for me, the way I'm, I'm reinventing this now is, I already love giving consistent value to people. Mm-hmm. So what if giving consistent value to people and having something they can always sign up for? Is easier and less stress and more consistent instead of having these crazy spikes in your business, what if you could have you know easier ebbs and flows in the business by having something where people can enroll whenever they want to enroll? Mm-hmm. So that's my transition is from the the launch thing where there's a window where people can sign up anytime. Now, even with that, and everybody will do it differently, there's still a limit to how many people I'll allow in because one of the core values in our company is one thing, we don't do anything, we don't sell anything unless it has a done with you component, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning we don't sell anything that's do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Because for us, Mm -hmm. we just don't see transformation with that, right, Mm -hmm. so I don't want to do it for you because I'm not a consultant, and I don't want you to do it yourself because I'm not trying to get rich on a $47 product or a $17 ebook. I want to have a powerfully priced offering and I wanna be there to help you do it. So everything we do, there will be some component of me doing group coaching or me doing group mentoring, so that'll always be there. But the other side of that is that I don't want that to be too big because there needs to be a level of intimacy. If I'm selling something at a higher price tag, I'm not selling access to information, I'm selling access to intimacy, right? They can be closer to me. So even though it's a rolling enrollment program, I'm capping it where there's never any more than 30 people in the program, right? So if it's a 90-day program, I can enroll 10 people per month and then every 90 days, 10 will fall off and 10 more can come on, but there's never any more than 30, which feels good. Like for me right now, 30 feels like it's still intimate. I can know every one of the 30 people in some way. I can understand Mm -hmm. them. And if they come up and say, oh, remember that problem I had two weeks ago? If there's only 30 people, I remember the problem from two weeks ago. If there's 200 people, I can't remember the problem.
0: So what will be the program about?
1: So the program is, it's already running now. So it's called the Business Unusual System, right? So I call it the bus. Mm-hmm. So we talk about, let's get on the bus. We're all gonna get on the bus. We're, we always have jokes, vroom, vroom, honk, honk, is what we say anytime we have a success because we're on the bus together. Yeah, yeah. And it reminds me of like back in school when you were on the bus with your friends yeah, and like yeah. you're hanging out and you're yeah. talking and it's like the bus is going, you're just focusing on what you're doing. And so that's what we're doing, so it's really about having them master these four T's that I believe help you create a competition-proof business. There's turning pro, which we talked about, right, being a professional, mindset and skill set. There's your teachings, like your lens, your message, and your personality, and how you really increase your hangout factor, those things we talked about. The third thing is your tribe, how you really create this raving fan base who love you and want to follow your work. And the fourth T is your tech. So making sure that technology platforms are in place to leverage what it is you're doing. And so that's what we're working on now, man, and it's so much fun. People are just loving it, they're finding out what their true gift is, they're putting themselves out in the world online in a way that's really authentic and really in alignment for them, and they're seeing great results. So it's a ton of fun.
0: So what, what will be the price level?
1: So the price of that one, as it is right now, you may have to dub my voiceover and increase it. You know, if, if this comes out later on. Okay. Uh, but the way I'm running it now, it's a 5K program for 90 days. Mm-hmm. So it's again max 30 it's fair people of it. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think it'll definitely go higher. Right now, we're kind of we want to get the pilot, we want to get testimonials, we want to make sure that it's working, and tweak the content and all that. I think it'll be a higher price point, more like 7,500 maybe in the next six months. But for now, 5K for 90 days.
0: I didn't ask you if I can ask you in the interview, but I will ask you. Ask
1: me anything you uh, want. Uh,
0: you told me you are single right now. I am. So you got.
1: So do we have any single women? What? No. I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry.
0: So what happened? How many years in the marriage, and what happened?
1: Yeah. So we were together for 12 years. Okay. We were married for 10 years, mm-hmm. and we broke up uh, about nine months ago. Mm. And it was very interesting. I, I, I want to. I want to share all the details and all the story at some point, but I, I'd have to wait for permission because it's, you know, it's her story as well. Um, but what I will say is that I am I'm so grateful for that, those twelve years. You know, they say that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, right? Reason, season. Yeah, and so she came into my life for uh, lots of reasons and for a pretty lengthy season. And we we supported each other through so much growth. She was with me when I was fat. She was with me when I was angry. She was with me when I was depressed. She was with me through my entrepreneurial journey. I was with her through a lot of stuff that she worked on and worked through. So it just, it serves such a beautiful purpose and it doesn't have to be forever for it to be successful. So I I close that chapter. She gets to go do what is gonna be best for her. I get to go focus on what's gonna be best for me. And it it was a beautiful, it was a conscious uncoupling, right? There's no like negative feelings, no ill will. It was a conscious uncoupling.
0: How did you go through all of that, you know? There are himself. many people watching right now. They're either thinking about doing it, they are out of the relationship, they are you know, in the relationship, that sucks, yeah. and they, you know, they pretend that it's working and it's still okay. Yeah, It's not it's easy true. to make a decision and say it's over.
1: Yeah. It's like entrepreneurship, right? It's like leaving a job. Yeah. Leaving a job and leaving a relationship are very much the same. You find purpose and identity in a job. You find purpose and identity in a relationship. And we, never, we can never see what we'll gain by leaving something. We can only see what we think we'll lose. And so we know inside if something has run its course. Like it was so easy for me once the relationship was over to say, you know what, I see how maybe she was holding me back or maybe I was holding her back. Not consciously, not purposely, not, not maliciously, but just because of differences in mindset or whatever else. The one thing I will say that was huge for me in working through the breakup, because it wasn't like it happened and it's like, cool, life's fun. I was very hurt. We were both very hurt, very sad, and a lot, of, a lot of crying, a lot of processing. But the one thing that I will say, and this goes for getting out of a relationship, being an entrepreneur, whatever it is, mm-hmm. have a support system. You had, please do not try. I don't know if you know this, they tested uh, a bunch of subject lines for emails to see which ones had the highest open rate. Do you know what one of the highest open rate email subject lines was ever? You are not alone. Mm. We have such a need for belonging and connectedness. And if you go through any transition, leaving a job, leaving a relationship, it's very easy to feel like you're alone. And when you're alone and you isolate, Things happen like we're seeing a lot in the news with celebrities with suicides, and not even just celebrities, people in general, suicides. And I truly believe, and I'm not an expert on suicide, and I'm not trying to say that I know anything about suicide. I had suicidal thoughts when I was younger, so I know what that feels like. I'm, thank God I didn't do anything, but I know what it feels like. And I truly believe that if people had people in their world that they could completely fall apart in front of, they can cry, and they can just be a victim, and they can be a prisoner, and they can just let it all go without any fear of judgment, There would be far less suicides. So for me, that was not natural for me to just say, I'm going to let myself go with somebody. I'm there for everybody else, but I didn't want to be a burden for other people. So when this breakup happened, I said, you know what? You got to get over this limiting belief that you're a burden by reaching out to people. And I called four of my friends and I said, listen, this is what just happened. I'm going to be calling you all the time. I'm going to need your support. Will you be there for me? And of course, they said, 100%, call me anytime, day or night. And I said, I'm going to feel like a burden, I'm not going to want to pick up the phone, I'm going to feel like I'm bothering you, and I just need you to tell me that that's okay. And they, te- they, would t- they would tell me all the time, call me anytime, you're not alone, I'm here with you. So no matter what transition you're going through, make sure you get rid of any limiting belief that you're a burden on people, find people who will support you and have your back, who want you to win, and then rely on them, make them your real support system.
0: This is a great tip. Wow. Need you hear? Reason or... Reason, season, Season, lifetime. And lifetime. Yeah, That's great. Uh, We are in Tallinn right now. Yes. So you are traveling all over Europe for two months. Two months. You you like traveling.
1: This is the first time I've traveled and been away from home this long running my business. And man, it has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like things that I take for granted. When I do my morning gratitude now, when I do my morning gratitude, when I go back home to L.A., oh man, I'm so grateful for internet. That works. I'm so grateful for air conditioning. I'm so grateful for my washer and dryer. I'm so grateful for my my desk. All these things that I took for granted when I was home, when I'm on the road, very confronting. Like, oh, you're used to perfect internet? Boom, internet's gone right before your call starts. No, what are you talking about? You're used to air conditioning?
0: I can hear you. (laughs) Boom, 90 degrees,
1: no breeze, have fun doing your calls. And it's been so confronting for me to say like, can I live my message? Right? My message is about being more playful, not being so serious. Can I live my message? And I'll tell you, I didn't 100% of the time. There were times where I got really pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. This is messed up. Why won't the internet work? And then when I slowed down, I said, wait a second. Live your message, dude. How can I play with this? Creativity is greater than circumstance. What can I do? So the internet went down. I went and I scoured all the hotels around my Airbnb and I found one that had good internet and I paid hundred euro just so I could use the room and I had internet and I did my call. But unless you can get into a creative state, you will just sit there and pout and and bitch and moan and whine and not actually do anything about it. So it's been very challenging, I've learned a lot and I'm going to be extra grateful when I go back home to L.A.
0: (laughs) I can't believe Uh, I'm coming to L.A. in October probably. Oh,
1: good, let me know. Yeah,
0: I will let you know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, mind value. Yeah. You are very active in the mind value community. Yeah. So, what do you think about the concept that Vision Lakiani like developed?
1: Well, and you you know Vision well. Yeah, he's, yeah. The guy is like, he's a machine. <laughs> like I just, I, you know, I just, I work around him, I work with him, and I just, I'm in awe. His brain is, it's not a human brain. Like, whenever he dies, which by the way, he'll die at like 430 years old, like, yes. you know, because he's going to be biohacking. But when we open his brain up, we're going to see, oh, there is an iPhone. In there the whole time. Like it wasn't a human brain, it was processing information a whole different level. But I got involved with Mind Valley in 2014. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm one of the authors on their platform, yeah. so obviously I have yeah, my own masters, business, but yeah, yeah Master Circle. Yeah, so exactly. Mind Valley has a thing called Mind Valley Teach, yeah. which is for coaches and, and speakers and things like that. So I teach on that platform with Ajit, who I know you've interviewed as well. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been involved with them for years. I, ho- I started hosting A-Fest, their big festival, their twice a year festival. Started wow. hosting that last year, and, uh, and now we're here for Valley University, which is kind of a pop-up college mm-hmm. uh, that takes over a foreign city for an entire month per year, and this year we have a thousand entrepreneurs yeah. Yeah. who are here learning in Tallinn, learning how to grow businesses, learning how to grow themselves, teens, mm-hmm. kids, like whole families are here learning, and I, I just, you know, I think it's the future of education, man, is, is not having this tradition, just like I talked about not doing business as usual and doing business unusual, instead of education as, you, as usual, he's doing education unusual. And I think it's just a beautiful platform they've built.
0: What, what do you think about the traditional educational system?
1: You know, it's, it's tough because I, I always say that the, the best things I got out of, because I did undergrad and graduate school, and I don't think I use a lot of what I learned in graduate school in, in my business now. I'm sure there are things in there. but okay. What graduate school really taught me was it taught me how to learn, Mm -hmm. right? And it taught me how to network, right? How to build relationships. So if we can do that in a different way that doesn't require four years or doesn't require hundreds of thousands of dollars and doesn't require extra coursework that is irrelevant as -hmm. soon as you learn it because something has already changed out there, if we can focus on teaching ourselves how to learn, teaching ourselves how to be more resourceful, then we can find micro-learnings to apply Mm -hmm. in the practical aspects of our business but we'll always have the mindset to be able to bring in new information and apply it. I think that's much more important than the information itself. Is how do we apply the information? How do we take it from being information and make it transformation? How do we make it from information to application? And I think that's a big part of having a non-traditional education system. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: I agree totally. Yeah, I finished the law school and it didn't help me a lot.
1: But did you learn how to learn? Like you learned? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I got some discipline from the school, and that was it. Yeah. So we can learn these skills in any other way. Exactly. Yeah. One last question: Pretend that you have a kid, a baby, or a son, or whatever.
1: Daughter. Do you know something I don't know? No, I'm just kidding.
0: No, not yet. <laughs> so, or you pretend that you are talking to some other kids. Yeah. If you if you had only five seconds to live. What would be the last I call this exercise the power message or the last message what would be the last message you would send to your kid something that would inspire him or her to live to his her full potential like something that would stick with her till the rest of the
1: life You know, the, the message that comes up for me is, is just, to, just to really love yourself and to relax. Because if I love myself and I'm relaxed and I'm less tense, all the other stuff takes care of itself. It's easier for me to love other people, it's easier for me to make money, it's easier for me to be healthy. It's only when I'm too tense and too serious that everything feels too hard. So I would say love yourself, don't beat yourself up, and just relax. And then take purposeful action, right? Not just love yourself and sit on the couch. Love yourself, relax, and take purposeful action.
0: Thank you, Jason.
1: Thank you, it's so good to see you, Smillion. Yeah. Love you, So man.
0: guys, love yourself and relax and see you in the next show. If you want more success tips, motivational stories, personal growth advice, incredible personal stories, and other useful life tips, follow me on social media. You can find me as Smilion Mori on Facebook and Instagram, and Smilion Mori Warrior Family on YouTube. If you are in the MLM industry, visit my website smillionmori.com and start your six-figure business.